Hi, welcome to the Parkinson Vitality Project podcast, a place for open and honest discussion about how to intentionally live, move, and thrive with Parkinson's disease. I'm your host, Anne Gould, owner of Envision Physical Therapy and Wellness, where I specialize in helping people with Parkinson's live their fullest lives. Let's dive into today's episode. This week on the Parkinson's Vitality Project podcast, I'm speaking with Amanda Bouchard, a certified therapeutic recreation specialist with Northeast Passage in New Hampshire. After graduating from the University of New Hampshire in 2014 with a bachelor's in science in recreation management and policy, therapeutic recreation, Amanda began working with Northeast Passage as a program specialist. Amanda is responsible for planning and implementing adaptive recreation opportunities, as well as planning contracted programs with interested organizations. Amanda specializes in adaptive archery and cycling, as well as similarity awareness. Northeast Passage provides adaptive sports and recreational therapy programs to empower people living with disabling conditions, both visible and invisible, to define, pursue, and achieve whole life health community engagement and fulfillment through the purposeful use of sports and recreation. All right. Hi, Amanda. Hi, Anne. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Good. Good. So I just want to start talking a little about what Northeast Passage is, when did it begin, and how it serves people who have trouble with um, with some mobility. Yeah. So Northeast Passage started uh, in 1990 by our founder, Jill Gravink. She was working in the rehab setting and noticed that there was a gap in service for individuals with physical disabilities when they were completed their rehab sessions. So she took it upon herself to kind of start community-based recreation therapy programs for those individuals. So she began with cross-country skiing and cycling as her two main sports and She was basically running programs out of the back of her car and (laughs) transporting equipment here and there across New Hampshire so that folks could have the opportunity to recreate in their own community. And that's kind of grown in the last 30 years. Mm -hmm. And now we are a program of UNH. We merged with them in 2000. And now we are a program of the College of Health and Human Services. And we actually fall under the Recreation Management and Policy Department. So we work really closely with staff and faculty there to continue to promote and further our community. Yeah. And I think, I mean, again, as a rehab professional, I always get people to that end point. I think it's so hard because people, especially when they're talking to me, they don't want to say that those are the things that they miss because they're, you know, they don't, they don't even think of that because they're so focused on the basics, but it's right it's such an important part of quality of life. It is. And, you know, the goal of recreation therapy is to promote independence across all areas of wellness. A lot of times people get very focused on the physical piece Mm -hmm. of wellness and, you know, I need to do this and this before I can go do this. So we really like to help people realize that recreation is an important part of their life and that it can be a useful tool in other areas than just physical fitness. Yeah. So how did you start, get started working with Northeast Passage? So I was an undergrad at UNH and I was undeclared, didn't know what I was going to do. I wanted to do something in the 
health services field. So my advisor recommended I take this RNP course, so recreation management and policy. And it was related to um, recreation services for people with disabilities. And that was my first introduction to Northeast Passage. Somebody from um, the office came in and, and spoke to our class about what NEP does and who they work with. And I was hooked like from that moment, I talked to my advisor afterwards and I said, I want to switch to this major. What do I have to do? And then throughout my four years at UNH, I did a lot of volunteering and working with them. I worked a few summers as a program assistant, which was really cool. And now I get to supervise those program assistants. So I've been working there since I graduated almost seven years ago. And I've kind of had my foot in each one of our programs, but mostly I work in our recreation sports program. Yeah. And I know you said originally they started with the cross-country skiing and the biking. So what are some of the other programs that you've been able to expand to over the past 30 years? Still doing those, that cycling and cross-country skiing, but we've also added archery, kayaking, water skiing, paddleboarding, golf. We also started some pickleball. We have some veteran-specific programming that we're doing as well, uh, where we're doing some fly tying, fly fishing, some wood carving, arts and crafts sort of programs. And then we also have our three competitive sports, mm -hmm. which are wheelchair rugby, power soccer, and um, sled hockey. So those three teams compete and play uh, throughout New Hampshire, New England, and across the country, even when they do tournaments. And they're all considered UNH Wildcats, which is really cool. So they wear oh, the Wildcats cool. um, on their jerseys. And uh, we have some close connections with the, the UNH men's soccer team through our power soccer program, which is really cool. So a few more connections to UNH. And what's your favorite of all the sports that you've kind of been involved in? I feel like I flip-flop depending on the season. Um, okay. <laughs> I've really enjoyed our pickleball program. Pickleball was not a sport I knew when we first started it. So actually, I don't think any of us really did, but it was a new Paralympic sport. So we picked it up and uh, learned what we could, got some equipment. And now when we play it, it's really awesome. It's a very inclusive sport. So we're able to include people playing in wheelchairs while people are also playing standing up. So whereas some of our other sports that you might play, it doesn't really work that way. Like you could, it'd be hard to play basketball with somebody in a wheelchair and also somebody standing up. Right. So ball is a, is a really inclusive sport for that. But I think overall, my favorite is always cycling just because it's one of the sports where pretty much anyone can have that experience of riding a bike. Uh, whether you are in a fully supportive wheelchair, we have an option for you. Or if you're just looking for something because you have poor balance, we have an option for that too. So uh, it's one of the, the highest level of success rates that we have. Mm -hmm. So um, I think cycling would be my favorite. Yeah. And what do you find is most popular with people who are participating? Most popular, I would say, is cycling. We have such a wide range of options that people will come to a lot of our programs, but they'll also utilize our rental program. So we're one of the only sites in the country that has a rental program. So we actually allow people to use our equipment in their own area. So they can pick it up from us and then go use the bike for a week or two weeks, whatever it may be. And then water skiing is also a really popular one because mm -hmm. 
are so limited with the number of events that we get to run with it and the number of people that can participate in each event. So those events, when we release them during the summer, they fill up within maybe an hour sometimes, sometimes a day. So it's it's crazy how fast they, they get spots get taken. And where do people do the cycling? Do you guys go out on the road? Do you Are there like trails that you guys go on? So we try to utilize rail trails as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a less intimidating spot for somebody who's first getting into cycling. Mm-hmm. You don't have to deal with vehicle traffic. A lot of them have long stretches where we're not having to cross roads, which is great. And they're usually pretty flat, yeah. <laughs> which is nice. But other po- folks that will rent them will ride the bikes on the road. Are there any requirements? So are there any things that people need to do to be able to participate in these programs? The only programs that we require specific criteria will be our water-based sports. So Mm -hmm. we have what's called essential eligibility criteria, which is standard across American Canoe Association. Mm -hmm. And so that allows us to provide a certain level of safety for our participants. Those are specific to keeping people safe on the water and also in the event that they were to capsize in a, a boat while we're paddling or water skiing. So just being able to maintain um, head and neck support in, independently, being able to maintain a closed airway when mm-hmm. you're in the water, being able to turn yourself from face down to face up with a life jacket on, and then also being able to breathe independently so we can't have anybody who uses the medical device to breathe on the water. So other than that, people can participate in almost anything. There's a way to find a way for everyone to participate. Exactly. Yeah. So pretty much any of our programs are open for somebody to attend. They just have to pre-register so that way we know they're coming and we yeah. know what to bring for them. Occasionally we have people just pop in, it works out, but we really like it when people register ahead of time. Yeah. <laughs> that way we make sure we have enough bikes for somebody or, you know, we have the, the right kayak that somebody might need. So yeah, pre-registration is the, probably the only other requirement that we have. Yeah. And I think, you know, just so people know, like it doesn't require some sort of evaluation or any sort of thing that might make someone intimidated to come. No, no. Yeah. So the only other requirements that we ask of folks is for them to complete our health form. It's mm-hmm. not a doctor's note. So it's basically, you just give us your basic information in the event that we ever needed to administer first aid or call paramedic. That way we know the medications that people are on, if there's any other underlying medical conditions that would be helpful for us to know while we're on the water or out on the trail in the event of an emergency. Which is pretty standard for most yeah. recreational activities. Yeah. How would they, someone contact you to sign up for any of these? So they can call our office, 603-862-0070, mm-hmm. or they can visit our website, which is nepassage.com. E-A-S-S-A-G-E dot org. And on our website, we have um, links registered for our mailing list. If you get onto our mailing list, you'll receive email notifications when we have new programs and events opening up. And we'll also send out notifications if there's other rental stuff that we have coming down the line or stuff that come in that we're selling, that folks are aware of it. And we also have a calendar of events on our website. So people can look at the calendar and see what events we have going on and you know if there's something that they have questions about you can always call the office and and talk yeah and um i'll link all of those in the show notes so if anyone is interested they can find everything right there okay great is golf something that you guys still run because i know i used to see that on the website yes 
Yeah. Yeah. Golf is still one of the popular ones. We typically do that out at the Wyndham Country Club. Mm -hmm. uh, they're super awesome and allow us, we store our adaptive carts out there. And uh, we have, I think, three or four adaptive carts right now. And hopefully we'll be getting back out the range and on the link here. I'm, I'm hopeful the snow is done. <laughs> it is. It's yes. mostly through March. I'm hopeful. Right now. <laughs> and so I think, you know, something I have a lot of patients that golfed before and they feel like they can't now because they've got like balance issues and, you know, it's difficult to walk. So is that really a barrier or is that something that they're just more perceiving as barriers because they don't know about some of these adaptations? Yeah, I think a lot of times it's a perceived barrier. And once people figure out that there is equipment out there to assist them in whatever activity they're doing. So for golf, for example, we have specific adaptive golf carts that mm -hmm. allow the player to stay in a seated position, or you can stand up and lean against the seat, but the seat actually swivels 360 degrees so that the, the, the golfer can swing from either side of the cart. Mm -hmm. And the cart itself actually goes onto the green, which if you've ever been on a golf course, that's like forbidden. You don't drive your cart onto the green. Uh, um, but the way these carts are designed is so that you can stay in the cart and golf your complete game from that cart. Okay. Yeah. And how about golf clubs? So if someone has trouble with their hands, I know like people with Parkinson's have a lot of tremors and sometimes their fine motor control isn't that good. So are mm -hmm. there adaptations to golf clubs that can be made to help them? Yep. There's a lot of like, or low technology modifications we can make. So uh, one of them is a golf glove that goes over your hand and actually has Velcro that Velcros around the club. So it allows you to maintain your grip on your, your club. A couple other modifications that have been made are different clubs themselves. So they're called flex shaft clubs. So they have uh, more flex in the club itself. So that way it's great for somebody who maybe is swinging one-handed, mm -hmm. which is popular the the club is designed so that way when you swing back you do your back swing the kind of force of the club does the work for you so you don't have to generate as much power mm -hmm. um, and then there's a couple other different modifications that we have for grip that we can try nice I feel like that's probably the one sport that I hear all the time I just want to go yeah. golfing again <laughs> like I really think you can yeah and so our golf program is is nice because we do, we'll do like a range night and then a course night. So it's a range night is great for somebody who's maybe trying it for the first time. And it gives them the opportunity to work with one of our staff members for that hour or two hours, however they want to attend. Um, and it gives them that time to kind of troubleshoot and try different options, figure out what's going to work best for them. And then um, they can come to one of the course nights and play of around usually seven to nine holes, depending on the pace of play, but uh, it, it's still a nice opportunity for them. Um, so do you have any stories about people like who've really benefited from this program? Um, so we had one gentleman who had an incomplete spinal cord injury. Mm -hmm. um, so he was still ambulatory, used walking sticks to, to get around. And he was actually with his grandson at the ice skating location we were at one winter while we were doing our adaptive ice skating program and mm -hmm. started asking questions. And we, one of our staff members convinced him to get into one of the sleds, try it out for the first time. 
Um, and then he came back, tried cycling, and has been an avid cyclist since. He was able to purchase his own trike and is now part of a riding club in the Seacoast area. He and his wife go out for, for rides together now, so it's been a nice social component for him. Mm -hmm. um, but it's also allowed him to get a level of independence back. He's had a reduction in pain. He also suffered from chronic pain. So being able to cycle and keep his body moving helped mm -hmm. him a lot. We also had another gentleman recently who had a lot of success in our tree program. He uh, had a stroke a few years ago and suffered from hemiparesis. And so he came to our archery program not knowing how he was going to be able to participate, only having used one arm. Really, and uh, we, one of our staff members, was able to kind of configure automated trigger release so that he just had to press the button and it would actually release a trigger release on the bow. So he's actually still able to hold the bow himself and load the arrow and everything. And just using that one adaptation allowed him to be a lot more independent. We've done a lot of work with the Seacoast Parkinsonians support group. Mm -hmm. um, we actually do a cycling program with them. We used to before COVID. Right. Um, <laughs> and hopefully we um, all will again very soon. I know, right? So uh, they've been a really, it's been really cool to work with them. And we've had a few people in that program come to us for rentals as well. So they'll try it at that event and then it worked well for them. So they were actually able to rent it on their own and go ride independently with their family. Yeah. And I think just, you know, like the first person you were talking about, I think people just don't know about these things. And once they know, yeah. it's like a whole world is opened for them. Yeah, it's so true. And a lot of times, you know, we'll be working with somebody and they'll say, man, I wish I knew about you guys 20 years ago. Or, mm -hmm. you know, when my when I first had my accident, I would have loved to do that. And but it's still great. You know, no matter it's like better late than never. We always like to see when people figure out who we are and what we do. And then a lot of people learn about us through word of mouth or just seeing us out in the community, which uh, is one of the biggest reasons that we still like to go out into the community and kind of utilize different spots throughout New Hampshire. We're a Seacoast-based program, but we run a lot of our, our events in Southern New Hampshire, Central New Hampshire, Maine, Massachusetts occasionally. Uh, we'll partner up with other adaptive sports organizations to work with their participants as well as another way of spreading the word about adaptive. Yeah. So if there's someone who's listening who's not from the New Hampshire area and obviously wouldn't be able to participate in these, where are some places that they can look for other programs like yours so that they can start getting back into some of these more fun things? It's just that they can't, they can't really do on their own. Yeah. Um, so looking for an adaptive sports program would be the, a great first step. Um, there's a, a website called Move United, and uh, they're formerly able to support USA. So um, they're a great resource. They have a link on their website that allows folks to search in their area for an adaptive sports program. And if you don't find one, you can always give us a call. We might know of a place that's not listed um, in that area or at least that maybe be able to answer questions there. Awesome. And again, all of the all that information will be in the show notes so people okay. can kind of start looking around. So the question I usually ask people at the end is, if you could give someone one piece of advice, something that is kind of an easy takeaway from everything we've been talking about today, what would you say to someone that can kind of help them just really on a path towards more wellness, you know, in their lives? 
I guess I would say never say never. A lot of times people will come to us and say, I never thought my son was going to ride a bike or I never thought I'd get back out on the water. So I, I think our staff at Northeast Passage is very innovative and creative and we love a challenge and we're always willing to go the extra mile to get somebody back to where they were or close to it. So I think a lot of times with especially with Parkinson's where it's um, progressive mm -hmm. disability, you know, there's different levels for folks to kind of navigate. And I, I would hope that Northeast Passage can be there throughout that journey for folks. And whether it's, you know, just figuring out an adaptive grip for your golf club to eventually using a golf cart on the course. Whenever somebody says, I, I never thought I'd be able to do this, it's kind of it's great for us because we were able to give that back to them, but it's also great for them because they realize, you know, how strong they are and how much they can persevere and how just a little extra help can go a long way. Yeah, I think that's great. And I think it's, you know, sometimes it's just looking at things a different way. You might not right. be able to do it the same way you could before, but that doesn't mean you can't do it. Exactly. And that's exactly what adaptive sports are. You know, it's not exactly the same a little different, but it's still the same. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. This was great. Um, and as I said, everything that we talked about will be in the show notes. So if anyone's looking to contact Northeast Passage or, you know, find out more what might be in their area, they can look there. Awesome. All right. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for joining me this week on the Parkinson's Vitality Project podcast. New episodes are released every other Wednesday, so make sure you hit the subscribe button so that you never miss a show. You can also follow me on social media at the links posted in the show notes. Thanks again. The information in this podcast is for entertainment purposes only and shouldn't be used as personalized medical advice.